Okay. Dr. Khalid Shabazz. Woo! My dad. So we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. And I have a bunch of fan questions. They want to know a bunch of stuff about you. But what we're going to do first is uh, talk about your story. Talk about where you are in life now, where you came from. And you can... You can say whatever you want. I'll probably uh, ask questions here and there, but basically tell us about where you came from, where you were born, what life was like as a child and the path that you took to get to where you're at. Yeah, so uh, I was born in Alexandria, Louisiana. Uh, relatively happy kid till about 10 years old. Uh, I was molested by a family friend. And then my life just took on a, a downward turn. And because of that molestation, you know, I, I went from being an animated, extroverted kid to a depressed kid to a, a person that was went in the corner and was quiet. And so I was in special education in eighth grade because I wouldn't talk in class. I failed in ninth grade and I failed in 12th grade. So I didn't graduate with my class and I just kind of graduated in summer school. I got to go to college because I got a big body. Uh, I'm about 6'4", uh, 260 pounds. I was about 230 then. And so I got to go to college. I was playing sports. And, you know, I took on this persona of what they call me prime time, but they didn't know I was drinking myself to sleep at night. You know, I was drinking right. because I was still dealing with the molestation. Uh, most people didn't know. They thought I was aggressive, but um, I was just fighting every weekend. Anybody that would look at me crazy, I was fighting. And the reason I was fighting is because I didn't know whether I was a damn man or a woman, you know, because nobody taught you how to deal with molestation. So I was just beating everybody up. So I, people would say, you know, that I was a man. Well, it came to a head one day. Uh, these guys jumped me. Um, and I got shot in the back, beat with a shovel, where I almost you know, lost my life. I was medic. I was uh, medevaced out to Tyler Medical Center. I was 21 years old. Mm -hmm. And I was on the ground. I remember crying and, you know, my friends hanging over me saying, you know, don't die, man, don't die. And uh, even though I thought I was dying, I thought that was stupid. I was like, I can't stop myself from dying. You know? <laughs> uh, it's funny now. It wasn't funny then. But, uh, yeah, so they med they medically backed me out to uh, Tyler Medical Center on a helicopter where I almost lost my life. And then, you know, what's, what's funny, Khaled, is I come back to school after about three months after I heal, and you would think an intelligent person, which I wasn't, obviously, would see, you know, try to change their life around. I see this kid. And so, you know, the dysfunctional environment I grew up in is like, I gotta be a man, I gotta be a man. And so I went to my partners, you know, you always got some friends who, you know, who grew up across the tracks, right? So <laughs> a guy gave me a, a 45 and a sawed off shotgun, right? And so I'm about to eliminate this kid because, you know, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Uh, very stupidly. And so I had one guy, his name was Ace, uh, he's, uh, he's passed on. Uh, I got a chance to talk to him before he died. And he said, man, he said, if you do that, and everybody got trigger words, he said, man, oh, man, I'm about to cry. But he said, you're going to let your mom down, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you never want to let your mom down. So I didn't do it that night because he said that. Um, 
And uh, I just went in and beat the kid up. You know, I had a, a crowbar and, uh, you know, beat the kid up real bad and stuff like that. And then I ended up going to jail. And uh, after I went to jail, you know, after I got out of got out of jail, I went back to Louisiana and uh, worked in the, as a cashier and a uh, janitor. And then, man, you know, for me, I was learning different things. But when mom said you were born, I said, man, I got to change. I don't want this dude to, to grow up like me. And so when you were born, I decided to change my life and try to be a good dude. And uh, that's where I've been. Honestly, that's where I've been for the last um, 28 years, just trying to be a good dude and be a man for you and for my family. So that's that's my story. Sorry I got emotional, man. But, you know, my mom died about five years ago. And I've been trying to be a good dude for her for, you know, my, my whole life. Yeah. Would you say that getting shot was the lowest moment of your life? Or would you say that being in jail was? I, I'm only asking you that because I've heard this story before. And I know you told me how you felt when you were in the cell and you realized that you had to stay in there and you were looking at the other dude in there and just all of that stuff. What would you say was the lowest point of your life? Well, getting getting shot was the lowest point because I, I, I realized when I was down on that ground, I, I was being something, you know, I was trying to be something because I didn't know what to be. You know, I didn't have any necessarily role models as a man to be. So I'm laying on the ground like about to die. And I don't really even understand why I'm down there because I'm just in so much pain. Uh, so that was a low moment. But <laughs> as you know, when I was in jail, you know, um, I couldn't go to sleep because he had this guy and he was Mexican. He was about he had to be probably about 30, 35. And I know now because I'm older, he was just trying to punk me and he succeeded. So he just <laughs> rocking back and forth, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, playing like he was crazy. And of course, I was scared, so I gave him all my food and all that kind of stuff. But you know, even at that point, I said, "Man, I, I can't do this thug stuff." You know, I can't be in jail. <laughs> right? So yeah, so that that was a low moment. But getting shot was just bad because, you know, everything that revolves around me is about family. So now my mom had to know that I was shot and I was being a bad boy. You know, so that that probably was the lowest moment for me. Mm. Okay. And what do you think? I mean, obviously you just said you learned that you were pretending to be somebody else basically, but what do you think that that lowest moment taught you? Like the, what, what positive did you pull from it? Basically, how did that steer your life in a different direction? Well, I mean, I, I won't say that in particular steered my life in a direct, different direction. You, you did that by just being born, but one of the things I realized in jail and being on that ground is that wasn't who I was. I was mm -hmm. just acting out of my dysfunction. I was acting out of my trauma and my pain. And I realized that at that moment, I was like, I, I shouldn't be down here. I shouldn't be about to die uh, because I'm playing like I'm a tough guy. You know, I'm playing like, you know, because, you know, in the black community and African-American community, man, we got to play tough, you know, to... You survive. And I was playing like I was a tough guy. I'm not a tough guy. That's just that's just the, the environment we grew up in. And I was trying to protect myself because I thought people were looking at me because of molestation. Mm -hmm. So that's actually really good. I think, like you said, a lot of us feel like 
we have to act a certain way or we're going to get punked or somebody's going to try us or whatever. Like we have to stop it immediately so that somebody doesn't cross the line. What do you say? What do you say to a kid that, that feels like he needs to fight all the time that feels like he needs to let people know that he's whatever the, the tough guy or whatever. How did you eventually, cause I know now and because I, I will live with you that you're a totally different person, but you had to get there. So what, what kind of things do you say to someone? Like, what do you think, you could say to change someone's mind about how they're seeing the world and about fighting and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, actually I deal with a lot of people when I'm, when I'm talking to them like that, I talk to them and tell them, Hey, listen, you know, you know, like as all parents or older people do, Hey, walk away, you know, don't engage in that fighting. Uh, It's going to sound really weird because it's a dichotomy that has to happen. You have to learn to fight. It doesn't have to necessarily be physical, but you got to learn to fight because that's how you become stronger. That's how you learn to survive your environment. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times I'll tell uh, kids who are struggling with that, uh, don't put yourself in situations where you know you're going to be extremely angry and have to fight, right? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, all of the fights that I really had, uh, I was either drunk or I used to playing basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Because those are the environments that, you got to, you know, kind of raise up your alpha male. You know, I'm the man on this court. You ain't nothing, you know. And so it, it raises not only your anxiety level, but you're hypersensitive to being, you know, the. I, I don't like the word, but uh, your masculine male, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, I had to stop drinking, obviously. And then eventually I had to stop playing basketball, which I still love today. But those were my angriest moments. So I say keep yourself out of situations where you're going to get super angry. And even if you hang around dudes who uh, – and I don't know if you know this about me because you're grown now. I, I hate people teasing me. Mm-hmm. I hate I it. That. Yeah, I hate people belittling me. So if I'm in a situation where I got so-called friends who like to put me down, they're not going to be my friends long. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. So don't put yourself in situations that would basically take you out of your character, but you have to do some, you have to do some deep thinking with yourself to figure out those situations. Right. That's correct. Um, Because you don't want to find out by experience or else it might be too late. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That that is, that is true though. I, I still remember I'm not going to get in detail, but I remember at West Fort Hood when it was me, you and Kendall. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> and I remember you, you almost got into a fight as a really grown man. And I, that's yes, true. Man. So you you do know that about yourself. Like if you're playing basketball, there's a good chance that you might get into a fight. So, yeah. And, and you remember that situation very vividly. I was kind of just out there playing and he started pushing and he called me the N word. And next thing I knew, you know, I was full blown going back at him. And I'm thinking to myself, I had lost like I was like almost an out of body experience. I had lost who I was. And not only that, I'm showing a bad representative to you and your friend. Like Mm. I'm like, how did I get here? And then you got to (laughs) realize you're playing basketball Mm -hmm. out of character, you know. Yeah, that was definitely a very out of character. I remember me and Kendall were like, man, I can't believe he said that. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. right. But I I reverted back to my old ways, and that's why I stopped playing. 
because I love basketball today. I mean, but I can't play because I will start reverting back to those old ways. That's good. So you, I mean, basically you have to know yourself in order to keep yourself, uh, keep yourself out of those situations. Would you have a recommendation then for somebody to like the things that they could do to know themselves better? What do they need to do? Sit down and think about the times they've been angriest or what? Well, yeah, absolutely do that. But one of the things I do, um, if I'm in a conversation with my so-called friends and they're constantly putting me down, I told one of my friends this and it weirded him out. He, I mean, it weirded him out. But if I'm, in, if I'm in a conversation with anybody, not just my friends, and they constantly put me down, when I leave there, I go dictate the whole conversation. Mm. I dictate it how it made me feel because you know you know when people put you down sometimes they laugh so you can't really tell you think they're just joking but they're really not there's truth in every joke right and so i will go down and i will constantly like dictate that and the next time i see that person i tell them hey listen man you know and it's hard to confront somebody about some stuff that you got going on say hey really i don't like people putting me down I don't like people teasing me. I don't like people making snide comments. And if we're going to continue to be in this relationship, you got to stop that, you know? And, you know, it's always, it's tough because the last guy said, oh man, that's just how we play. You know, we've been doing that since we were little. I said, hey, bro, we're not little anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. we're not in high school anymore. I got grandkids. I don't don't want you teasing me. Uh, And so uh, he didn't understand. And, you know, we're not friends today, but that's part of knowing who you are. You got to get people around you who uplift you as juxtaposed to putting you down, especially, you know, you have friends. We so dysfunctional, like me and your mother will be out somewhere and we'll have two, a man and a woman with us. And if you know guys, guys immediately start being negative. Right. And they mm-hmm. like putting you down in front of your wife. I'm like, dude, where we do that at? Like we ain't 12. <laughs> you know, so I'll go dictate that. Then I'll just sit down with the person. Sometimes it's three, four weeks later, but I'll sit down with them and say, hey, man, I really don't like you doing that. And depending on the maturity of the person, call it, uh, they accept some accept it and most don't. And I, I got to move on. Right. That makes sense. Um, this is I'm backtracking a little bit here, uh, but I was going to ask you what would you say your purpose in life is? Um, I know that one of the big things that drives you is your family, but is it something more than that? Is that just part of your purpose or is everything stemming from your family or what? Yeah, I have a saying, um, be the change that you want to see. I just talked about it this morning on Facebook. You know, a father is not just a person who makes his house better, right? A father makes the community better to make his house remain at peace. And Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is, you know, it was cool for me to, you know, teach you guys how to be outstanding citizens and all that kind of stuff. But I need to make sure the people outside you guys were hanging with, the school that, you know, you went to. I need to be a part of that process somehow, like supporting you in your your, your basketball games, your track games, so the community can see your father, you know, and they would know, hey, this kid is not some, you know, 
you know, misguided kid. You know, he has a stable family. So uh, I want to do that. And the second thing is I want to give people permission to be intelligent. And I'm speaking specifically to African-Americans at this point. If you remember growing up, that's all you and I used to talk about. If you used to introduce me to people, I don't know if you remember, you say, Dad, this is your other intelligent guy at our school. So, you know, you always had that in you. You always knew that I wanted you to be smart. I wanted you to be intelligent. I wanted you to think for yourself. Uh, and so I want to teach other human beings that, other guys and other girls, that it's okay to be intelligent. It's okay to be confident. And so that's what I do on Facebook every day. I get up every morning, go to the gym, and uh, teach people to be intelligent and not be afraid. I like that. That's very true. You did always teach me that. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> it's too much thinking. Sometimes I, I think about too much stuff, but uh, yeah. it's good though. But yeah, people, people don't like the fact that I think so much because anytime I see something, even if I would probably agree with it, I go look to make sure it's true, you know, yeah. and uh, I'll be like, Hey, well, you just sent me, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't real. It sounds cool, but it wasn't real. And they'll be like, man, you always got to ruin stuff. I'm like, I don't want to just accept stuff just because, just because right. I might agree with it, you know? So. Uh. Yeah. Just before you go to the next question, one, one of the things, one of the reasons you are like that is, and, and most parents disagree with this. You remember we allowed you guys, well, I don't know if mom did, but I allowed you guys to question me as long as you were respectful. What I was trying to teach you is just because a person is an authority, it doesn't mean they know. And so you should always ask questions. Right. Now, I tell people that story all the time. I really thought that was cool um, as I became an adult, especially when I deal with kids now. Like if I'm talking to any kid, I just want to be like, man, shut up. Just do it because I told you to. <laughs> you right. That's right. Why are you asking questions? But no, it's good. Like, because if you teach a kid that, then they get older and they're like, well, this person knows what they're talking about and they said it, so it must be true. Right. You know? so, no, that's really good. Um, definitely something I want to teach my kids when I have them. Um, what was the next thing? The next thing I was going to ask you is, if you were talking to a kid or an adult that maybe doesn't believe they have a, the capabilities to do what you did in life, what would you tell them to convince them that they're just as capable as you? Well, I don't have to convince them that they're capable. I got to be transparent enough to show them all of my failures, you know, that to let them know that I'm not some guy that grew up smart, right? I'm a guy that put in a lot of hours to obtain all of these massive amount of degrees and success that I have. You know, um, I, I think you got to be transparent to transform people because a lot of us, if not all of us, have low self-esteem in a lot of areas. And so when I come on at the beginning of any show, including yours, I automatically start off off with that story no other story i talk about special education failing ninth grade 12th grade almost being thrown out of the army what i didn't say what you never knew and it's even hard for me to say but i say it to other people all the time you know when i got my second article 15 getting ready to get chaptered out of the army, i was an hour away from suicide you know what i'm saying it was like I, I was worthless in my mind i had failed so much i was like I'm trying to change my life for this family and I'm just letting them down. It would be better 
if they had another dad or another husband, you know? And so mm -hmm. I tell people that story and they, you know, I have grown men crying in my arms. Like, wait, wait, how'd you get the courage to say that? I say, I have to have the courage to say that to save you. Cause I know you're going through that. Mm, that's deep. And so you came from all that. And now, I mean, there's, you've done so much. It would even be hard to list it out, but you're fluent in Arabic. You have how many degrees? I don't even know. There's so much. I can't keep up. Nine. And break that down for me. How many of each? Yeah, I got two doctorate degrees, uh, one, uh, four, five master's degrees, um, and a bachelor's degree. And then I, I just graduated from the U.S. Army War College, which is not necessarily a master's degree, but it's a master's level degree uh, from the Army, uh, from the University of Texas. And you've done a bunch of other stuff that I really can't even think of right now. But just the fact is yeah. that you're very successful and like you said you came from all of this uh trauma and other stuff that happened in your childhood so but that's what this show is all about i'm trying to show people that really no matter what you went through or what you're going through you still have however many years ahead of you in the future to accomplish all the things that you want so you know any of those things that happen to you when you got put into special ed when you got kicked out of college you could have said I'm just not smart enough. I'm not capable enough. I'm not whatever. And actually, we should talk about that. What do you think? What do you think kept you going? Because before that stuff was before you even had me. So it had to be something well, else within you. Well, I was I was struggling before. I'm mean, not struggling after you, but I was struggling before you came about. But at least with you, I had something to strive for, like to be a man for you. And so I went back to school and uh, I, I don't know if you remember this, you know, I'm, I'm probably not the best role model for crying in front of his son, but you know, mm -hmm. uh, when you graduated from college, I said, man, do you know, I think you were 27. I said, do you know you graduated from college before your father? I graduated from college at 28. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like, I don't know where you were in your life because I know a lot of people like to compare themselves to people like this guy got, got a degree at 21. He got, a, he got a wife, he got kids. And uh, I wanted to tell you that not even asking you, were you comparing yourself to people? You know what I'm saying? Uh, Cause it doesn't matter when you get it. It's when you get it. Right? <laughs> you know, right, right. It doesn't matter when you get it. So, one of, the, one of the things I wanted to do is be in the house um, and show a constant improvement of, you know, just keep going. I knew I wasn't, you know, a perfect person, but I knew if I could just show you guys that I was still going to school, still around the house reading. I remember something. You always a uh, very intuitive person because I used to tell you stuff. And I said, hey, Kyle, we ain't looking like at, you know, naked women on TV and all this kind of stuff. You know, we're trying to be presented, presented, uh, 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 presentable men. And I was on a, a couch reading the book and BT was on it, like all these naked women were on TV or whatever. And you was like, Dad, I thought we didn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Like you were like five. You know what I'm saying? And I used to tell your mom, I said, <laughs> This dude ain't backing down from nobody. I like, you know, I'm his dad. People scared as hell as they dad. He was like, Dad, I thought we weren't gonna do that. Like, but I wasn't even watching the TV, but you challenge, you know, that assumption. Mm -hmm. So 
<laughs> that's actually really funny i don't remember that but <laughs> yeah i was like five years old so i guess i wouldn't remember so just to to clarify what what motivated you when you were at your lowest then what do you think you were thinking what was what was keeping you going just no you guys honestly even even when i at the point of where i decided to give up right you know you have the reoccurring thoughts like what kind of what kind of legacy of this going this going to leave to my family i mean you're in so i was in so much pain it was hard to get through that and it's like it's even like now sometimes at my lowest moments it's like god always sends somebody like maybe two or three weeks ago i was struggling because i mean i'm putting out massive information i'm on the treadmill every morning you know by the way i'm 52 and throwing up 365 you know what i mean you know <laughs> so i'm doing all this stuff and i'm like man do people even care and so i got in this depression i got in this funk and uh and i was like somebody in my inbox said hey i really need to talk to you i called them and they were just like crying on the phone you saved my life your videos or this and that and that you know it's people like you who give us inspiration you know, and, and when you're in your lowest moments, like for me, look like God always sends somebody like that. So in that moment, uh, when I was getting ready to get kicked out of the army, you know, to me, God sent somebody to me. He was a sergeant major and uh, he he said he was going to mentor me. And mm -hmm. so that gave me hope. Yeah. OK, well, that actually takes me to the first fan question It's kind of connected to that. So we're going to start with the questions. This person says, has he always been a man of faith? And if not, what sparked his faith? I know you haven't always been a man of faith, but they don't know that. So if you want to tell them. No, no, I wasn't always a man of faith, although although faith was always around me. Right. Um, I, I, I became a man of faith um, because, you know, people were challenging, you know, the so-called faith that I had. And so. I kind of started reading a little bit, but what sparked me was Malcolm X, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't know what he was. I just knew he had an eight, he had an eighth grade education and he decided to read the whole dictionary and learn every word. And so I always considered myself a dumb person actually. Um, and so I said, man, this dude is so fired up and he's so motivated. He's so intelligent. If he could do that, I want to start trying to do that. So that's what sparked me into this what this thing that we call faith, right? Um, and as as when people like start talking to me, they were like, you know, if, if they didn't know me, they'd be like, man, I can't, you don't seem like a chaplain. Because that's not how I use faith, right? I don't even talk to people about religion. Uh, but I use who I am as a person to motivate people as people. Like, like, if you notice, I mean, maybe you do or maybe you don't. I don't sit around talking to y'all about religion. That's right. personal. You know what I'm saying? That's that's mm -hmm. personal. And, you know, it's something that I chose for me because Malcolm X was in it. Most people have this experience. You know, they sitting down somewhere and, you know, faith came upon them. That, that didn't happen for me. I saw a model. I saw Malcolm X. I thought he was the, the only man, really, that I had ever seen in my life. I, I decided to model my life after him, hence the name Shabazz. This is the name yeah. he took 
came from Mecca. Good answer. Okay, the next question says, what's his proudest moment as a dad when he, oh, what made him grin and say, that's my boy? What did I do? Oh, man, I, it's, it's many moments. A junior Olympics, when you know, you were winning all of those races. Uh, but I, I, the proudest moment for me is the rap song you made for me. I still share that, right? Um, the rap song. You know what? My favorite part in that rap song, if, if you ever let them hear it, you said, I hear everything that you're saying to me, but I got to behave cockily like, like Pop would do, mm-hmm. right? We're saying, hey, man, I hear you, but you cocky. You got your own way. I need to find my own way as well. You know what I'm saying? That, that was a proud moment for me. When I go into alternative schools to teach, I always play that song for them. You ain't know that, did you? Nah, right? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I play that, I play that song for them because a lot of times in alternative schools, they have a lot of women teachers, and they're trying to make the guys do certain things. I say, listen, I used to talk to my son, A, B, C, and D, and not, he wouldn't listen all the time, right? But yeah. he heard me. I, I explained the song to them. And I said, you got to let boys find their way. And, you know, when I go into alternative schools, man, those those guys hug me. They, you know, take pictures with me because they understand, you know, that I love them. Okay. Next question. Oh, I haven't looked at these questions, so these are a surprise to me. Did he oh, face yeah. much hate from bigoted soldiers when the wars in the Middle East began? And the follow-up to that is, how was he able to continue serving with love to those soldiers if he did? Oh, great question. Of course, I faced a lot of bigotry, a lot of hatred, and still do. And it's okay. You know, one of the things we do, you you talked about it very eloquently, about learning who you are. Most of us are not honest with ourselves. A lot of us got a lot of bias, a lot of prejudice, and sometimes even hatred towards people. So when people are that way towards me, I always give them the benefit of the doubt. I always give them the benefit of the doubt, right? Mm -hmm. Because it was a time where I didn't know anything about Islam. I didn't know anything about Muslims. I used to say ignorant stuff, right? And so it wasn't always out of malice. It was just me being ignorant. I remember walking into my first commander's office and and I reached out my hand to shake his hand. And he said, uh, he wouldn't shake my hand. He said, uh, I'm sure you're a nice guy. You know, matter of fact, you know the guy. You know him. As a matter of fact, y'all end up being friends and me and him end up being cool. But uh, he said he wouldn't shake my hand and say, we got a problem with your religion, how you guys treat women. Have a nice day. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't talk to me for nine months. I just went to work, man. You know, I understand who I am. And those soldiers are acting off, you know, what they saw on CNN. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, that's true. Okay, the next one, uh, actually, the next one is going to be from me, uh, someone that didn't ask on this, but they wanted to know. Basically, how has uh, staying healthy and staying sane changed for you as you've gone from a low level soldier to a high level officer? Because that's important to note, too. We didn't say that, that you started off as an enlisted soldier and now you're a full bird colonel. So obviously, it's hard to uh, to stay motivated when you're at the top, right? So how's that changed for you? And like, what are you doing to stay on top of it? Well, yeah, it, it's changed because, you know, everybody's obviously catering to me now. You know, I, I can't even write an email. 
know, everybody in my office is trying to do everything for me. But if you remember, everything goes back to you. I used to wake up in the morning, you know, used to be in that sleepy. I say, hey, I'm training while you sleeping. Right. (laughs) I still say that uh, because I think the most important person in this world is yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you can't go out and inspire anybody if you won't inspire yourself. So every morning at 0430 for the last 26 years or so, I get myself out of the bed even when I don't want to. Even if I just go in there and do 15 minutes, I got to take care of self. And then that's that's how I keep going. It's not about the Army. It's not about being a full bird. It's about, as a matter of fact, I talked to you probably about two or three months ago. You said, Dad, you look you uh, losing weight. And I said, yeah, man, I got to live for you guys. You know what I'm saying? So the motivating factor for me, everything is about you guys and then mm-hmm. taking care of myself. I think it's important, too, that uh, it, it kind of goes back to knowing yourself. So uh, in a video I made not too long ago, I was talking about how um, as the day goes on, motivation wanes. Like that's like been like proven via psychology and science. And uh, if you know that you're the type of person that won't work out later in the day, then yeah. you have to do what you do and do it literally first thing when you wake up. Like I know for me. I'm going to work out no matter what. And I will right. literally, I'll cancel whatever plans that are in the evening. If I don't, if I end up not working out, but if you know that you'll end up saying like, ah, it's too late, I'm going to just go to sleep. And you have to know yourself to know I need to do this when I wake up so that I can't make any excuses later and stuff like that. So yeah, you're right. Ultimately knowing yourself is super, super important. Yeah. Okay. Everything, call it, is is important. Just, not just work, wake, uh, weightlifting or running or whatever. When you know yourself, you won't compromise who you are in different situations. Truth. Okay, this is not really phrased as a question. It just says trusting your partner in marriage. I'm guessing they're asked, asking, what do you do to stay trusting your partner? Or how do you... Well, people, people want people... People won't like this answer because I'm asked all the time, do you 100% trust your wife, right? And I said, because, you know, I, I put mom on Facebook a lot, right? Because uh, a lot of guys, you know, say, well, you know, what if she lets you down? You know, what if she does whatever? And so uh, people don't like my answer on this. I said, no, I don't trust her 100% because I don't even trust myself 100%. And, you know, it's like, what are you talking about? I mean, I don't. I mean, just think about all the promises we make to ourselves and don't right. keep, right? Yeah, you're so human being. You're human being. So at the end of the day, no, I don't trust anybody 100% because I don't even trust myself 100%. And so I know I know the right answer is, oh, of course, yes, yeah, my wife. I've been married 30 years, you know, but that's not true. We're human beings and everybody is subjected to fall. So right. uh, for me, uh, to answer the question, if it's a question, I serve my wife like I serve anybody else. If I go to the gym, I call home, actually she want anything to eat. If I'm in the room at 1030 at night and my wife says, um, I want some potato chips before she can get the chips out, I got my shoes on, I'm getting ready to go to the corner store. Uh, for We've been taught that men, that's weak. That's not weak, that's strong because you are serving your partner, right? Uh, most people who get divorced and most people who cheat, um, 
get cheated on, their partner left for a specific reason because you weren't doing something, right? For me in my marriage, I try to alleviate that. I try to be the man she wants, right? And so I serve her. If she decides to leave, I told her and I told you guys, I'll cry for about two weeks and then I'll be with another little honeybee. <laughs> you have a step mama. <laughs> mom, gonna, you're going to get in trouble when she watches this video. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think this is probably... Uh, I'm going to ask you one or two more. I don't know what time we're at, but I know it's getting long. So what were your PhDs in? Uh, PhD in higher education and PhD in Christianity, uh, master's in divinity. Um, I, I thought that was important to be an administrator. And then because I talked to 99.9% Christians, um, I thought it was important to be educated on what they believe so I can help them, not convert them, help them in their religion that's that's actually pretty cool that's yeah that's really cool i didn't even know that i just found that out right now okay and let's do one more let's see this one looks too similar to another question okay where did you derive your internal resiliency from being a black officer in the military um i i have put uh, 80 people through officer school, right? Mm -hmm. I derived my internal resiliency knowing that it was a time that you couldn't even be a black officer, right? It was a time where the highest rank that you could go was to be a sergeant major. And even though you were 45, 46 years old, you would have to call a white officer, you know, half your age, sir or ma'am. And so for me, Part of my mission is to ensure that I'm a strong example for other black officers and the enlisted soldiers who are afraid, like I was, to go and be an officer, to be a strong example for them, and then try to talk them into being an officer. I just talked to a young man the other day, and he was scared and all that. He didn't think he was smart enough. He didn't think he was good enough. And then, Kyla, that's when you go in and tell your, my story about filling the ass bath uh, you know, four times before I get a 110. And you can see the confidence in those people. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Uh, because they, they see you as, oh man, he a full bird, you know, whatever. Your, your, your thoughts happen like I've had an easy life. And then you go in to tell them stories of failure and it gives them confidence. That's cool. Okay, last thing is just a question for me and then we're going to get off of here. What is the legacy that you want to leave behind you? Are you right? I'm My, the legacy. I, huh? I said I'm the legacy. Yeah, the legacy, right? That's what you put on your, your high school jacket, the legacy. And what that legacy is, is a person of excellence on whatever you decide to do, a person that is dignified, intelligent, and not afraid to be confident, right? You know, I think you have that. I think you are that. And I think you display that. It doesn't matter what you're doing in life. The, the bottom line is you're representing your family. And so even though you're my biological son, right? I have hundreds of sons out there who display the, the same and daughters who display the same characteristics that you have. And lastly, you, pro you remember 
but you were probably thinking I was insane at the time. When you were 14, I did a rites of passage ceremony for you, right? You yeah. was like, oh my God, what is the matter with this dude? But it was a every community, besides the African-American community, have a rites of passage ceremony where we take young boys and make them into men by ceremonies, right? Our, our community is the only community that doesn't do that. And so I was instilling in you a legacy when your, when your son gets to be a certain age, bring him into what manhood is supposed to be. It's up to him what he does without it, but we should have uh, something that we leave, leave to our children that says, you know, you have arrived in manhood and your father, right, gave mm -hmm. that to you. And so that's what I hope to leave, not only you, but uh, my grandchildren and uh, all the other people I mentor in the world. That was the perfect answer. I like it. Thank you. Thank you. Hope all I right, get uh, four plates like my son one day. I'm at three, <laughs> 365. <laughs> all right. I'm going to... Uh... I'm going to post this. And when I post it, I'll put all your socials in the, in the bio so people can follow you. Do you, do you want people to follow you on Instagram? Yeah, absolutely. They can follow me on Instagram. Uh, and, and this is only going to Instagram. You can't send it to me so I can put it on Facebook. No, I can send it to you. I'll put it on, it's going to be on YouTube and, and then you oh, can share the link. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll put your Facebook link, your Instagram link. And uh, so people that watch this video can follow you on there. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be phenomenal. All right, Dad. I love you. Thank you for coming on the show. All right. Love you too, brother. Be good. All right. Talk to you later. Peace.